Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 25, Candletown. Althea and Brashen made it back to the original birth of the Reaper. True. They're in the busy port town, Candletown. Althea says she has been here before with her father. And it is from her point of view at the moment. So everything's kind of wrapping up. They just got into port here. And she has an ache of longing for her father, just thinking about the last time she was here. And now she's kind of, you know, thinking about home, thinking about things that she's used to be around, thinking about Vivacia. And she hopes that Winter would become a good companion to her, despite the jealousy that assured her that no one could ever know the Vivacia as well as she did. Soon, she promised both herself and her distant ship. Soon. Right. Um, I do want to ask, when did Althea and Brashen get on the Reaper? Was it in Candletown? No, it was, it was in Bingtown. Okay. Because I feel like that doesn't make sense then, because the whole reason, or the whole reason Althea is not going to stay here is because she wants to go back to Bingtown now that she knows she has a ship's ticket. But... If they stopped in Bingtown after this dock going out, why wouldn't they have stopped in Bingtown again? She wants to go to Bingtown faster. Um, the captain says it's going to be about a month before they sail out. No, but I'm saying they started from this port yep. and then went to Bingtown. Yep. And then, oh, like far away and then came back to this port. They didn't stop their Bingtown on their way back. No, they're just doing a big loop. Hmm. Big circle. Bingtown would be their next port. We follow the same loop. Huh. Weird. Okay. It's not like... I mean, it's not like they go someplace and then hit all the same places on the way back, just following the reverse order. This ship seems to be going in, like, a loop. Like a full circle around. Okay. So, Bingtown would be next after Candletown, just like last time. But it's taking a while for them to go to Bingtown, so... Althea will get there, but she uh, she wants to find a different ship. True. So she's standing there on deck, and she hears Boy being screamed out and then recognizes Brashen's voice. She turns hastily, says, Sir, and she's playing her role perfectly as the ship's boy. Brashen uh, says that the captain wants to see her, and she gets ready to go, and he says, Wait a moment. He looks around, sees no one's watching, and then steps closer to say quietly, Dinner ashore tonight? He tapped his pouch, so the coins inside gave a jingle. A newly stamped ship's tag hung from his belt beside it. She shrugged. If I get liberty, perhaps I will. She chose deliberately to miss the invitation in his question. His eyes traveled over her face lingeringly. That serpent burn is nearly gone. For a time I feared you carried a scar. She shrugged, refusing to meet the tenderness in his eyes. What's one more scar in a sailor? I doubt anyone else aboard has noticed it or will. Then you've decided to stay on with the ship? I'll work it as long as we're in port, but I think I have a better chance of getting a ship back to Bingtown from here than the other little ports the Reaper will visit after this. She knew she should let it lie at that, but sudden curiosity made her ask, And you? We learn that Brashen has been offered second mate, which is a lot more money than he was signed up for originally. So he's wondering if 
he should stay on because it's a pretty good prospect in general. They like him there. And but he hasn't signed the articles. He hasn't said that he's going to do it for sure. Well, he said yes. He just hasn't signed yeah, the contract. It's a verbal contract, but not a binding one yet. Which, according to Ronica Vestrit, is as good as a written contract. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to hear about what, sorry, about Brashen's point of view and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He is considering staying on this ship. And he also mentions that it will look better to be a second on this ship than it will a third when trying to get another job, which I think, I don't know if he went back to Bingtown, I think he would still have no trouble finding a job. People know that he's working better. Although maybe there is still the bias. He didn't really try to work on another live ship. He just decided that it didn't work last time. So I'm not going to try again. Right. Well, Althea is kind of distraught because Brashen also says, on the other hand, if we found a sound ship heading back to Bingtown, it might be good to see home again. So she's like, oh, oh no. This mustn't continue. She forced a casual smile to her lips and laughed. Now, what are the chances that we'd both end up on the same ship again? Pretty slim, I'd say. Still, he watched her so closely. Depends on how hard we tried, he offered. He took a breath. I did put in a word for you here. Said I thought you did more of the work of a real sailor than a ship's boy. The first agreed with me. Like as not, that's what the captain wants to see you about to make you a better offer if you stay on. Thank you, she said awkwardly, not because she felt grateful, but because she felt the first sparks of anger kindling. Did he think she needed his good word to be seen as an able-bodied seaman? She was well worth the wages they had paid a regular hand, especially as she could skin, too. She felt as if he'd cheated her of her dignity and her own worth by putting it in his good word. She should have stopped at that, but heard herself add, I think they've seen that about me already. He knew her too damn well. I didn't mean it that way, he hastily apologized. Anyone can see you're worth your pay. You were always a good sailor, Althea, and your time on the Reaper has made you an even better one. If I had to work rigging in a storm, I'd choose you to be up there with me. A man can count on you aloft or on deck. Thank you, she said again, and this time it came out even more awkwardly, for she meant it. Brashen did not give out compliments casually. She says she best report to the captain and heads on her way. Right, and I want to talk about this conversation a little bit. So... Althea makes a comment that when Brashen looks from side to side to see if anybody's watching them, to anybody paying attention, that is immediately an indicator that something is going on and would make people more curious. So she's really frustrated throughout this whole conversation because, number one, she feels like Brashen is really hurting her prospects of continuing to seem like a young boy by... Be, being so casual with her and being so obvious about a secret that they have. And even if people don't guess that she's a woman, it could still make it look like Brashen is interested in young boys. So there's that level that she's paying attention to that he either isn't noticing or just doesn't care about. And then on top of that, there's this uncomfortableness because Althea doesn't want to admit that she has feelings for Brashen. And she doesn't want to admit that there's something there because that's a little too real. And so we have this weird thing where he's being flirty and fun and wants to meet up with her and have dinner. And maybe they could go together to Bingtown and she's feeling weird. But I feel like this is a little bit Malta of Althea that she continues to play the game knowing she shouldn't. She continues to kind of 
go along with what he's saying. She knows what he's thinking. And she knows that she shouldn't be asking about him to encourage him to think that she cares. She knows that she could just say that she isn't going to meet him for dinner, but instead she kind of makes it a little game of maybe. And I think it, it does remind me of Malta a lot that there's this kind of, I know it's not in the same vein and it's not exactly the same reason. And clearly Althea knows a little bit more of the nuance of conversation, but I don't know. It's, it's still a little like, I'm going to keep it friendly, but not so friendly that he's not still interested in me. And I guess later on we see that she has good reason to, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being friendly in this way. Like he shouldn't just assume that she's into him because they were together one time. He should be more cognizant of how she's feeling in this moment, which is clearly uncomfortable. I don't know. I just think it's interesting to see Althea be like, I know I shouldn't act this way, but I'm going to anyway. And it goes back to our, her, her state of being right now or in her mindset goes back to our previous conversation. I think during the last chapter that they had together where she's denying her interest in Brashen right. to herself. Like she's like, I can't be emotionally attached to people that I bed. Like right. that, that's just, I can't do that. I can't, bet anybody else. Like I have to do this on my own. I can't be involved with anybody. Brashen knows who I was beforehand. It's this whole distancing of herself and it's kind of lying to herself as well. Yeah. Definitely something she's struggling with, but she is also struggling with Brashen not being very careful. I mean, he does call her Althea and asks her on a date basically and, like, they're still on the ship. So he knows she's trying to pass as a boy. Why is he doing this? Why isn't he thinking more clearly about what a weird spot he's putting her in? Right. He says that he has liberty. He's off to the inn called the Red Eaves and heads off the ship while she goes to the captain. I also wanted to mention that it is funny to me a little bit. I don't know. Not funny, haha. But funny that Althea is so upset that Brashen puts in a good word for her. Because that's kind of what the upper people should do if somebody's doing a good job. Right. But because it's Brashen and they have that connection, she feels like it's taken away from her the like hard work she actually did. Yeah, she wants to be recognized with no one telling her that she did a good job ever. Just at the end be like, you were amazing and the best sailor here. Here's... A billion coins and your ship's ticket. <laughs> exactly. And that's not the way it works. Right. As she finds out in the conversation with the captain, they keep tabs, like multiple mates keep tabs and like make comments about the different sailors. Like Brashen's just doing his job. Yeah. So it is interesting. And I mean, to be fair, maybe Brashen wouldn't have said something if he wasn't, if he didn't know that Althea was Althea, if it was maybe just Athol. But maybe not because, I mean, I mean, she's doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And and she is, I think, pretty correct in saying that Brashen doesn't give out compliments that easily. He's pretty honest in his head about abilities of sailors. True. And in his head, even, he's saying, like, she's a really good sailor now. So maybe if even if he didn't know that it was Althea, he would do the same thing. Yeah. 
But she does head off to see the captain. She gets out of the conversation by saying she shouldn't leave him waiting and is gone. She knows she's not going to go hang out with Brashin, but she just lets him tell her where he is. And that's that. She enters the captain's quarters here. And it's very messy. So she's once again reminded like, oh, my father would never have a captain's quarters like this. (laughs) He kept it clean. Yeah, it's not a state her father would have left it. And then she starts thinking about the trip and the people that she sailed with and how she's about to get paid. And that means that some of the people already have been paid because she sees the ledgers and sees that some half of about half of the people have been paid already. She's just next in line. And what's interesting about this is she starts thinking about the indentured servants, I guess is what we call them, but the people who were working on this ship to pay off a debt. So they aren't going to be paid anything. They will, however, get to be free people or free men, I guess now that, the ship ride is over and it makes her think about what kind of life that those men are coming back to. And even if they have a home to go back to, and Mm -hmm. she's kind of feeling sorry for them. But she is recalled to her situation as she feels the captain's expectant stare on her. She reports and the captain opens up his ledger and kind of lists her accomplishments here. Athel ship's boy. I have a note here that you earned a bonus skinning for us as well. And he flips through the another book, ran his finger down the entries. I have a note in here that the ship's log that it was your quick action that kept our third from being crimped and yourself as well, not to mention several other men from other ships. And the mate has noted that on the day we hooked the serpent, your quick action kept another man from going overboard. That's so, boy. She struggled to keep the grin off her face, but could do nothing about the pleased flush that rose to her cheeks. Yes, sir, she managed and added, I didn't think anyone had made note of those things. And the captain's like, well, we take more notice of anything that. So here the reader learns that, yes, that was just Brashen's job. And the first mate did the same kinds of things. Right. And (laughs) interestingly, no comment is made about Brashen putting in a good word for her. Yeah, it was just a a note that uh, a couple notes. One of them was attributed to the mate, the first mate, and another one to saving the third and a few other men. So one of those could have been Brashen, but... Not specifically. Right. They would like to keep her on, or him on, I guess, the ship's boy, Athel. And there is no offer of raise in either pay or status. And and she's questioning that in her mind and then says, so much for Brashen's good word. Althea. (laughs) (laughs) You just got done talking about how you were upset that he even said anything. And now. I guess it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) but it is fair i mean from whatever the captain talked with with brashin there was an impression left that athel could potentially be a regular sailor instead of a ship's boy right and that's not what happens so that is kind of weird i wonder if the captain was waiting to see if athel would argue for more maybe like prove that he wants to be on the ship Although I don't know how hierarchy works on ships. So if this was just a 14-year-old ship's boy or however old she's pretending to be, would they argue with only being ship's boy again? I don't know. I guess if you have the unfortunate 
circumstance to be a ship's boy on a slaughter ship. Maybe not. Yeah, I guess. Well, the captain doesn't offer a uh, a promotion or anything, but does want to keep her on. And she's thinking, well, my father always preferred honesty in his men, and she'd try it here. Just after she gets done comparing multiple times how this ship is different from how her father ran things and is straight up honest with the captain, basically saying, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay on. This was a wonderful boat to be on. So glad for my experience. I'd like to stay on board, you know, helping unload whatever we need to do. But I want to get back to Bingtown as fast as I can. So if I find a ship that does that, I'm going to leave and board that ship. And the captain kind of rightly... A little bit overboard, but kind of rightly is upset at this. And basically, so there's no loyalty here. You don't love my ship that much. And I'm not going to keep you around and pay you like a daily wage just so you can jump ship to the next one. Right. It's it is interesting. This feels again. Now I feel like she seems a lot more like Wintro and that. She's like, oh, I must do the right thing in this situation instead of using her brain and just saying, oh, thank you so much. And doing what Brashen did by saying, yes, thank you. And just not signing any paperwork. It like sure, morally, it's better that she's telling the truth. But what about this captain makes you think he's going to respect the truth? Right. You know, I he says, well, let's tally you out and pay you off, and I'll give you your ticket as well, for I've no quarrel with the job you did, but I won't have you idling about my deck and hoping for a better position. The Reaper is scheduled to sail within the month. If you come back before we up anchor and want your position back, well, we'll see. It may be filled easily, you know. Yes, sir. She bit her lip to keep from saying more. She gave him marks for his own honesty because he gave exactly what he owed her. Blunt and merciless as he had been, he had still counted out her correct pay down to the last copper shard. He passed it to her, and while she pocketed it, he took up a ship's tag, and with mallet and stamp, drove the reaper's mark into it. He wiped ink over it to make it stand out better, and then took up a leather scribing tool. Full name, he asked casually. And now she has the choice to make, and she says Althea Vestrit. And of course the captain's like, oh, that's a girl's name. What what kind of evil made your parents name you a girl's name kind of thing? <laughs> it's it's so interesting because there's a lot of ways that this could have been played. And Althea chooses maybe the worst option. She says her real name, which I get she has to do because of the ship's ticket doesn't say Althea on it. She's not going to have her proof that it was her. Right. However, she wouldn't be able to then use that as proof that she has worked before to get anywhere else. She also can't, decides not to, I guess, play off this as, oh yeah, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe my parents named me a girl name. Like she should be. She should just lie like she has been this whole time about being a boy and pretend to be upset about it and be like, yeah, that's why I go by Athel because it's more manly or something. And instead she just lets him figure it out that she actually is a woman. But the, the name that actually catches his eye, cause he's just going to breeze path past Althea is Vestrit. That does catch his eye. It rings a bell to him. He says, Vestrit, that's a trader's name, isn't it? 
Her mouth was suddenly dry. Yes, she began, but he cut her off with a wave of his hand. He swung his attention to his first mate. Vestritz had that ship. What was her name? A live ship? The mate shrugged, and Captain Sitchell turned back to her sharply. What was the ship's name? The Vivacia, Althea said quietly. Pride crept into her voice, whether she willed it or no. And the captain's daughter worked the deck alongside the crew, Captain Sitchell said slowly. He stared at her hard. You're that girl, aren't you? His voice was hard now, the words an accusation. She held herself very straight. Yes, sir. He flung the carving implement down in disgust. Get her off my ship, he snapped at the first. I'll go, sir, but I need that ticket. She stood her ground. The captain gave a snort of disgust. You'll get no ticket from me, not with my ship's stamp on it. Do you think I'll let you make mock of me, of the, make mock of the slaughter fleet? Shipped a woman aboard all season and never even knew it? That would be a fine laugh on me. I ought to shake your pay out of your pockets for such a lie. No wonder we had such trouble with serpents, worse than we ever had before. Everyone knows a woman aboard a ship draws serpents. We're damn lucky we got out of here alive, no thanks to you. Get her out of here. My ticket, Althea said desperately. She lunged for it, but the captain snatched it up. She'd have to assault him to get it. Please, she begged him as the mate grabbed her arm. Get out of here and off my ship, he growled. Be d damn glad I'm giving you time to pack your gear. If you don't get out of here now, I'll have you put off my docks without it. Lying whore, bitch. How many of the crew did you sleep with to keep your secret? He asked as the mate forced her toward the door. None, she wanted to say angrily. None at all. But she had slept with Brashen, and though that was no one's business but hers, it would have made a lie of her denial. So... This was this is not fair was all she could manage to choke out. She's literally been lying. She's been a boy this whole time. Why does this one little white lie matter? You know what I mean? Like she's so it's so odd that in this moment she's like I need to be honest. Why? For what purpose? <laughs> These aren't good people. This she isn't She decided to be like her father and have honesty in this situation. Didn't really work out for her, but she's trying to emulate that, and it's not working because, guess what, Althea? Things that Brashen warned you about are true in the shipping and trading companies. Right. And it just is so odd to me, her choices here. What is possessing her to do this? Why now? Why? Well, he caught her, I guess, in the lie, so there's no point in lying more about whether or not you're a woman or not. But everything else... I don't, it just, who cares? You didn't sleep with somebody to keep your secret. He already knew. It's not a lie to say that you didn't sleep with anybody in that way. Because he's saying, how many did you sleep with to keep your secret? You could say none. That's not why Brashen didn't tell. Right. And that isn't a lie. <laughs> so I feel like that's fair to say. I also hate that his first reaction to this is obviously this is why the serpents are bad because mm -hmm. we had a woman on board. That's what Brashen said would happen too. that a lot of superstitious sailors thought that way. Right. But ugh, yeah, I, don't know. I know it's just so gross. And I mean, she I, thinks of that later too, when she's in an inn, she's like, how ridiculous basically. <laughs> yeah. It's just, ugh, I don't know. I feel really bad because this is a hard situation and I don't want to blame Althea for what's going on fully. I'm mad at the choices she's making because these things could have gone a little bit easier for her. But ultimately, this situation is because of this man in front of her who doesn't value women. <laughs> so 
it's not really her fault. It just, I wish she would have made better choices in the moment as well. Exactly. Well, she's kind of dragged to the quarters by the mate and said, like, don't, don't breathe the soul of this to anybody or I'll come find you and beat you up. Basically she's Mm. shut in there to gather her stuff And to her, none of it seemed real. The months of her hard work and all for what? Handful of coins that was all a ship's boy was worth. She would gladly have given them all back and everything else she owed for the scrap of leather that he was, no doubt, cutting up even now. She turns away and Reller is there kind of like looking at her like, what's going on? She says that she's been turned off the ship and he's asking like, why? Because he doesn't know what's going on either. Right. And... She doesn't answer, just gets her things and heads off. Yeah, it's very... It's very all very rough. It's... I mean, I guess good that they let her keep her pay, at least. But... I don't know. I, there is a little bit of funny irony in this, where when she came into the captain's room, he's talking about how... Oh, nothing goes on in my ship without under my nose without me knowing about it. And we're very vigilant, uh, as you'll see with all the reports we have about you, but not vigilant enough to know there's a woman. And I think that's almost more the reason that they're upset is that a woman was able to trick them. Yeah. When there should have been tells. I mean, he pretty much does say that. Yeah. Like if that story gets out, he'll be the laughing stock of the whole slaughter fleet. Right. Because how could you not know a woman's a woman? They're so obviously not men. <laughs> Just so stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Very dumb. But I do feel bad for her because what she's not talking about at this moment is I don't know if she can pretend to be Athel anymore because surely he will spread word not to hire Athel, right? Even Maybe. if he doesn't... But he might not even want to bring it up. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. He probably would have the option to do that, though, for sure. But yeah, she she didn't handle it perfectly at all. That's for sure. She strides off into town, feeling a little bit hopeless at this point. And we switch over to Brashen, who is the opposite, feeling very hopeful, has a big grin on his face. And people are like staring at him weirdly, like, why are you smiling walking down? But he had the right to grin. Yeah, he had the right to grin. He was proud of her. She had looked just like any tough ship's lad standing there on the Reaper's deck. Her casual acceptance of his invitation, the cocky angle of her cap had all been perfect. In retrospect, this voyage that he had expected to kill her had actually been good for her. She'd recover some, recovered something, something he'd believed Kyle had hammered out of her once he took over as captain of the, of the Vivacia. The, last, the lack of it was what had made her unbearable those last two voyages. It had changed her cheekiness to bitchiness, her sense of fair play to vindictiveness, On the day her father had died, he had thought that spark of the old Althea had been extinguished. He had seen no sign of it until the day on the Barrens, when she was skinning out sea bears. Something had changed in her that day. The change had begun there and grown stronger, just as she herself had grown stronger and tougher. The night she had come to him in Nook, he had suddenly and completely realized that she had returned to being the old Althea. He had realized, too, how much he had missed her. 
So first of all, I just want to say I hate this perspective. Uh, reading this made me cringely hard and I kind of feel like Brashen is a nice guy, TM. <laughs> I think the main thing that I don't like is this kind of rewriting of history, maybe, is what it feels like at least. We read from his point of view what he thought when she was on ship to begin with. She didn't, he didn't think she would, had what it takes. He didn't think that she was a good enough sailor. He said she wasn't bad. She just wasn't good. And so it's really odd to me that all of a sudden now he's like, I always knew she had a dinner. I knew she could become great and she's perfect. She does everything great. And it's just very like looking through rose colored glasses I mean, he does say in retrospect, it was a good decision by her to go on this journey and it was good for her. Right. But he does admit that he expected it to kill her at first. Right. But I'm just saying this whole, she used to be great and then something, and then Kyle did something to her and then she turned bitchy. And I'm like, ooh, bad take, my guy. I mean, she kind of was uh, when we first (laughs) were introduced to her, though. I mean... I mean, we didn't see the old Althea ever. I guess. That's fair. We we never saw the old Althea that he's talking about. We only got introduced to her while she was on the last journey. And he talks about the last two journeys. Yeah. So this was the last journey that she took with Kyle. And she was deliberately going against the captain's orders to do things. And then playing it off like she wasn't. And then talking about how bad the captain was to other crewmates while she was getting drunk on shore. And then was a recluse for like four weeks. She didn't have a great last voyage. No, and I don't disagree that she didn't act appropriately, but I don't like the way that he's phrasing it as though typical woman being bitchy. You know what? That's the vibe. I don't don't think that's, I don't don't get that vibe. She went from being, uh, sorry, what was it? It had Um, changed her cheekiness to bitchiness. Yeah, so she was cheeky and then... When she was put in the role of needing to act more ladylike by Kyle and not allowed to do the things that made her not seem as ladylike, it reverted her to being bitchy instead of just annoying. Like, I I just think the word, the verbiage Mm -hmm. used is so gross because there are other ways to describe somebody going from cheeky to annoying that don't have to be a derogatory female word. You know what I mean? I like guess, that yeah. that makes it feel like he's like, wow, Kyle almost succeeded in turn- turning her into a regular woman, but now she's back to the cool, not like other women woman that I knew. And like Interesting. That I guess that's just how I'm reading yeah, that. And, I don't get that vibe from him at all, really. But But I guess like also I'm a woman reading this and yeah. I think sometimes women are called naggy or bitchy when other people like if a dude did the same thing it wouldn't be described that way and so i'm reading it from that lens of like it's actually really annoying that you think that way ration and that makes me like you a little bit less i don't know (laughs) that's fair (laughs) so i guess i just like i thought it was a hot garbage take that kyle really changed her when he was like destroying her life and taking away the one thing she had i don't know like there's no grace there uh and I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't annoying or that she like he's being too hard on her. I'm well, just saying the way she's he's choosing to describe it rubs me the wrong way. They didn't know that she was losing the ship at that point. It was just Kyle as captain and she was on board. Right. But they knew that she was losing her privileges to work on the ship like her father let her as a sailor. 
Kind of. I feel like that slowly kind of trickled away. Like during the last voyage, we saw like the degradation of those things kind of go down and finally it came to a head where Kyle's like, just get out of my sight, basically. Okay. I don't know. I I think with when her father was on board, she was given tasks to do, even if she wasn't, it wasn't the same way real quote unquote real sailors were given tasks like she had multiple things to do every single day i think overall her father would give her things to keep her busy but i have the feeling that kyle didn't do that like i don't think kyle gave althea any orders as a sailor i think althea's orders were to sit there and get out of the way and so she took it upon herself to keep busy by doing things against Kyle be out of vindictiveness, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, possible. I, I guess we don't know. There's no way to tell. We have no, yeah. no reference. Can only assume about those days, the dark days, <laughs> but it is interesting to know that she was different before Kyle because I don't know. I guess the way Althea, we read from Althea's point of view, it kind of seems like she's never liked Brashen and, it's odd to think that there was a time when they were more friendly in Brashen's eyes when Althea, at least when she was last on Vivacia with Brashen, was kind of like, he's annoying and I hate him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. She, she was not feeling that connection at all, which, again, I think is because of Kyle. Right. She was pushing back against that and especially the closeness of having Kyle kind of lord over her and talk down to her about that situation. I think it just got in her head and was pushing back very hard against Brashen at that point. Right. And I'm sure Kyle made comments about Brashen and her, and he makes comments about her being a whore all the time. So I'm sure she just didn't want to be caught with any male crew members alone so that Kyle couldn't say anything about it. I don't know. Or be friendly to the males. I don't know. Well, either way, right now, it's a little bit different. Brashen is very pleased at his future prospects. He's got his pay in his pocket. He's free all day today and tomorrow. And he has the prospect of some good company tonight. What could be better, he says. He looks around for his his inn that was recommended to him by the first mate. The mate's smile had plainly indicated that he did not expect Brashen to spend the night alone. For that matter, neither did Brashen. He caught sight of the inn's red eaves long before he did its modern, modest signboard. And he finds this inn extremely clean, but basically austere. It's like pristine. No one's really going in it. Super quiet. Innkeeper is looking at him like, you're dirty, sailor. What are you doing here? Brashen assures him he's not a partier or rowdy or anything. Like, here's my stuff. I'm going to go get a bath. If that's cool. Let me know, or let a sailor called Athel, if they stop here, know that I am here. Interestingly, he asks how much the room cost, and the guy looks at him for a long time and then says three. And then Brashen just knows what that means. <laughs> yeah. That was really weird to me. I do not understand. I hate the money system in this book, and it bothers me even more that there is literally no way to know what anything is worth. I mean, if I was a writer... 
same. Like, I wouldn't want to figure out an economy to do that stuff. No way. Especially if you're talking about trade. And but like three uh, what? Like, she already doesn't ever talk about, like, pricing. Okay, so there, it's... If you are going to the... Like, going to a nicer hotel for a night in the States, uh-huh. and you ask, like, how much for a room tonight... And they say three, you're gonna assume three hundred, not three dollars or three thousand, right? If somebody said three, I'd be like three dollars. I genuinely oh my would. Gosh, no. <laughs> I would not be like three hundred. There there would be in in my mind, there would be an assumption of this is the range of inns. Like this is what an inn uh-huh. kind of costs. So that would be the denomination. Okay. That that was my assumption. I just Give him three coppers, see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it seems as though three coppers will buy a lot because with three coppers, Althea bought a whole new wardrobe with kettle, dishware, and whatever else, candies, earrings, whatever. I don't know. I do not understand this stupid economy, and it makes me irrationally angry. (laughs) I don't even. If it was all spelled out, you wouldn't even care. Like, you wouldn't comment on it at all. (laughs) Yeah, because it would make sense. This doesn't make sense. Or even if it... It doesn't even have to be fully spelled out. It just needs to be consistent. And I think I would like that more because I'd be like, okay, so I have a rough estimate of how people spend money here. What if it's consistent, but you just don't know what it is? I guess. (laughs) That is 100% possible. I don't even like math. It's not like I am a numbers person by nature. I don't love that. I just want to know. And it makes me mad because this is such a simple thing that could have been done enough to have a system and wasn't. And that's what I don't like about it. Right. Three what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a pretty quick section in general. It's basically Brashen being very excited to see Althea tonight. This place being extremely clean and the innkeeper being pretty uptight about the cleanliness of everything. Not really caring if people stay there, but just wanting people not to not be partiers. And him taking a bath and being extremely glad to have, you know, warm, dry skin covered in warm, dry clothes. Right. We also should mention, because I don't think either of us have said this, the innkeeper did specifically say you can only use the bathhouse if you leave it the way that it is when you come in. And Brashen makes a whole big deal about saying that it is overly clean when he comes in. Yeah. It's very important for later. Right. Yeah. But it's nice, even though he's, he says it's a bit excessive, he says it is nice because in the bathtub there's no ring of dirt from the last person who stayed there and mm. their soft soap. It's really nice. It is nice to be in clean places. Yeah, definitely. But I did also want to talk about how throughout this whole thing, Ration is kind of excited about how he's going to meet with Althea, that they're definitely going to eat together tonight and probably share a bed and it's going to be great. And he's so excited. And again, don't love this. It's the whole, this whole section kind of, makes me have the ick for Brashen. (laughs) I'm not loving it because, I mean, I guess we don't know what the conversation looked like from an outside perspective. So Althea seems that it's pretty obvious, seems to think it's pretty obvious she was uncomfortable with their conversation on deck and she was only being polite and she didn't ever say, yes, she would do something. But 
Brashen saw it as more flirty and her just trying to play the role as a boy. And she's definitely into him. And so it's just like, I don't know how he just, if he just doesn't know her as well as he thinks he does or what's going on there. But it's like weird that he's not taking into consideration the fact that Althea was uncomfortable and continued to be uncomfortable with his kind of special attention, so to speak, the rest of the time that they were on board and how awkward she felt around him. And he's now convinced that she's definitely super into him and she's definitely coming tonight. Feeling a new man, he went back to the main house to have a meal and wait for Althea. We jump back to Althea, who is the opposite of Brashen. Very despondent and hopeless in a foreign port with nowhere to go. And alone for the first time. She talks about how always before she had the crew to go around with or her father, she was never just alone and on her own to find accommodation. Yeah, she has no family ties, no, you know, prospects really. Only the coin in her pocket and the duffel on her back to concern her. A strange mixture of feelings suddenly assailed her. She felt at once forlorn and alone, devastated at their refusal to give her a ticket, and yet oddly powerful and independent. Reckless, that was the word. It seemed there was nothing she could do that would make things worse than they already were. She could do anything she wanted just now and answer to no one, for no one else would care. She could get shamelessly drunk or spend every coin she had, on sybaritic night of food, wine, music, and exotic surroundings. Of course, there was tomorrow to worry about, but one always had to reckon with tomorrow. And if she chose to slam it into one head first, there was no one to forbid it or to say shame to her the next day. It wasn't as if careful planning had paid off well for her lately. So she is <laughs> in a mood, walking down, trying to just find some place to drink her cares away at this point or at least thinking that she could do that and no one would care right and so she chooses a tavern to walk into and it is super loud and it's a random tavern this is yes there's no planning about this besides maybe making sure that it wasn't the red eaves <laughs> but other than that it's pretty random and I do feel bad for her in this moment. I mean, we know that she hated life on the Reaper, that it wasn't a fun ship to be on. It wasn't easy. Not that she necessarily wanted easy, but it wasn't a good time. And she seemed to find her spot after the Barons. Definitely. But there's still, I think, something about that like tough, long journey. And then it was all kind of for nothing. Right. And even if she has a little bit more self-assurance now that she has that experience under her belt it's still she just wasted how many months doing that and is nowhere closer to getting her ship back and i do really feel for her in that oh yeah 100 percent. it is extremely demoralizing for that to happen so she enters this tavern finds a spot at a table just kind of gets some food relaxes, has some surprisingly good beer, and is looking around at her surroundings. She says one tavern maid approached her half-heartedly, but Althea simply pretended not to understand. The girl seemed as glad to go on her way, because she was considering getting a room there, but 
All of the thumps, thuds, shrieks, and laughter that drifted down the staircase made her aware that the rooms were not intended for sleeping. So she's just kind of contemplating like, okay, so where then do I sleep? (laughs) Right. And then seeing the woman coming to approach her half-heartedly, it makes her think about what it would be like to have that job. Right. What would it feel like to have to go after men for your livelihood and sleep with them at random? And she looks around the room in the the room and looks at the men really looks at them and they're all kind of (laughs) ugly they were a rancid lot she decided the seat might make a man tough but for the most part it also made him ugly missing teeth missing limbs hands and faces weathered dark as much by tar and oil as by wind and sun there were few men that there that appealed to her those that were young and comely and well muscled were neither clean nor mannered Perhaps, she reflected, it was the oil trade. Hunting and killing and rendering, blood and salt and oil made up their days. The sailors on the merchant vessels had been cleaner, she thought. Or perhaps only the ones on the vivacia. Her father had punished or pushed the men to be clean to keep the vessel free of vermin as well. So I think it's really interesting that she does contemplate this now. And it doesn't feel like she's judging the women who are doing this. No, she's just curious about putting herself in that place. Right, because they would make money. And like we talked about with Edda, about Edda a little bit in this world, in this period, there aren't a lot of options for women to be independent and make their own money. And being a whore is one of the few options. Yeah. Unless you are lucky enough to own a shop or have like a trade that you can apply somewhere or or be a nanny or not have your father kick you off of the will last minute before he dies. You know, it's kind of sad that she is feeling trapped by this. She's no longer thinking about sailing in a way that, Oh, no matter what it takes just to be able to sail, I'm going to do it regardless of the fact that it's hard as a woman. Now she's kind of like, well, Now that I've lived the reality of that, I do need a place to stay. I need money. I need to be able to survive. And what other jobs are there for me? And then realizes, well, I don't think I could do, I don't think I could sleep with sailors. They're ugly, (laughs) which fair enough. So she thinks of her father and like how he kept everyone clean or wanted everyone to be clean. And she realizes the pain really isn't there thinking about her father and vivacia right now because hopelessness has replaced all of that. And she thinks directly on something that she's been avoiding. And that's that it's going to be damn close to impossible to ever get a ship's ticket in her name, all because she was a woman. The defeat that washed abruptly over her almost sickened her. And so she is just sitting there at that table thinking, I want to go home, somewhere that I am safe and warm and people know me. But no, home was none of those things, not anymore. The only place those things existed for her was in the past, back when her father had been alive and the vivacia had been her home. She reached for those memories, but found them hard to summon. They were too distant. She was too disconnected from them. To long for them only made her more alone and hopeless. Ration, she thought suddenly. He was as close to home as she could get in this dirty town. Not that she intended to seek him out, but it suddenly occurred to her that she could. So that's pretty heartbreaking that 
she is so lonely and tired and just exhausted of trying to fight to be recognized for her talents, not her sex. And she thinks about how she wants home, but home doesn't even exist because home was just what her father had made with her on the vivacia. And that makes me so sad for her because I know that her mother and sister do love her in their own ways. They just weren't, they didn't give her the type of love she needed and they weren't able to articulate the love in a way that Althea could hear, I think. Right. And so it just feels so bad to know that that this is how low she is feeling, that she genuinely feels like she doesn't even have a home and her mom's still alive. Her home is still there. It just wasn't her home. And the only home she's ever known was forcibly taken from her by the person she loved and trusted most, her father. Yeah. And now she wants something familiar. And she's realizing, yeah, I could reach out to Brashen. I could go to them. That's something that I could do. It's a choice I could make. She could find Brashen, and for a few hours, she could feel warm and safe. The thought was like the smell of a well-laden table to a starving man. But she wouldn't do it. No. Brashen would not be a good idea. If she went to meet him, he would think that meant she was going to bet him again. She deliberately considered that idea. She felt a slow stirring of interest. She gave it a snort of disgust and forced herself to truly consider it. The sounds from upstairs seemed suddenly both degrading and silly. No, she wasn't really interested in doing that with anyone, let alone Brashen. Because if they did, that would be the worst idea of all, because sooner or later, one of one or the other of them, or both of them, would be back in Bingtown. Betting Brashen on the ship had not been a good idea. They had both been tired and half-drunk to say nothing of the Sindon. That was the only reason it had happened. But if she went to meet him tonight and it happened again, then he might think it meant something. And if they encountered one another in Bingtown, well, what happened on the ship was one thing, but in Bingtown it would be quite another. Bingtown was home. So, she would not go to meet him, and she would not bet him. That was all quite decided with her. I want to talk about that because, in my head, she's just being so childish in her thoughts in this. Yeah, it is totally her decision to to not go to Brash and not do that. But the reasoning that she uses is avoiding so many of her own thoughts and feelings that we get as a reader through the previous chapters and even through this chapter. Right. She's actively saying like, no, it was only because we were drunk and on drugs. And sure that it lowers inhibitions, Sindon and stuff like that. But already she like felt a stirring of interest if she was going to go and see Brashen tonight. And her hopelessness is kind of like pushing everything out. Like, no, I can't open up. Her past is pushing out that idea of I can't open up to people. I can't do that. And then to view it all as like, this is this is vacation away. It doesn't mean anything. But if it happens at home, that means entirely something else. Like, no, it's your feelings, Althea. Like, just be honest with yourself. I don't care if you choose not to. Just don't make up reasons. Well... Do you think that there's a possibility that the reason it can't happen in Bingtown is because of the reaction her sister had whenever she found out about the first Sure. It's probably like a trauma-induced reaction or at least some sort of 
reaction against what she went through with Kefria. But at the same time, like, if I don't shy away from complaining about Wintro and Malta and Brashen, I'm not going to shy away from complaining about Althea in this way or even like Ronica and stuff. Like, yeah, they all went through terrible things, but like, confront this Althea like you need everyone needs therapy we've talked about this yes throughout these all these books but like it's just so obvious reading her perspective that she's running away from things and covering it up with other reasons and then convincing herself that those reasons are correct and it happens not just with Brashen but with other decisions as well she did the same thing with I am a terrible sailor with like what Kyle was saying to her the whole time. And it took a breakthrough moment where she was good at something to be like, Oh, I'm not a terrible sailor. (laughs) I can actually apply myself and be good. Right. She just, she just lies to herself constantly about her worth. And it's really frustrating. No, I agree. I, and I think I wish she would give herself more credit and I wish that she could be more open and honest about her feelings for Brashen. But I also kind of feel sorry for her in that clearly the reason she has such big fears about going to Bingtown and being known as someone who has slept with Brashen is that then people would know that she slept around and that would ruin her family's reputation. And it would be just like her sister said, and she would be exactly what her sister had called her all those years ago. And I feel like it's coming from a fear of that more so than a fear of her feelings. And like you said, that doesn't make it less frustrating for the reader who knows like she obviously needs to work through that anyway. And it's not healthy the way she is choosing to push away her feelings for Brashen because it evokes that strong feeling. But she doesn't have a therapist, so she is kind of coping the way she knows how, which is to run away from it. And I do feel really sorry for her in this moment. And I also kind of feel her pain and that it's not even that she just can't admit that she wants to sleep with Brashen again. It's just that she's afraid that now he only sees her as someone to sleep with, I think. Because she says he's the closest thing she has to home. And her intention to go see him for a few hours would just be to talk and feel like she had companionship. And she knows that that isn't how he's going to take it. And I think that is also a little bit heartbreaking that she has now, she now feels as though she can't take comfort in Brashen's company because there will always be that underlying, well, when are you going to sleep with me again? And she isn't really wrong because that's what Brashen was going to do. And what he admits to later, which I think is kind of almost more sad that like, it's not even necessarily about her turning away her feelings. It's not just her turning away her deeper feelings. It's also this uncomfortableness of how do you navigate a friendship when you've slept together and you don't want that person to pressure you into doing it again. So I don't know. I, I I think I just have a lot of empathy for Althea here for that reason. Because that, that does kind of suck. Like the only person she can talk to and he's not going to just let her talk based off of the every interaction she's had with him since. Yeah, true. But it is also naive of her to think that 
he doesn't already think that there is something between them and that there's no way he has feelings for her or that he thinks she has feelings for him. But only if she slept with him again would he feel that way. I don't think that's the naive part. I think that's her lying to herself. Mm. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Because she, in the narration, she always talks about his like tender gaze and things like that. You know, it's all about how he's getting more familiar with her after this happened. Right. And you've commented on it. It makes her uncomfortable because it could, you know, reveal her secret or whatever. Right. So I, I don't think that's her naivety peeking through. I think that's her the- trying to lie to herself and deny it and be like, there's no way that he can feel anything for me because I can't let that happen. Yeah, that's fair. Or doesn't want that to happen because that's her only link to home, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. So she tries, she's thinking through all of this and being like, making the decision that she can't go to Brashen at all. And so she's asking the one of the barmaids, where can I get a quiet night's rest? And the barmaid's like, I don't know, <laughs> not many places. There's this one place that's really expensive. I even hear that they have some glass windows and fireplaces in the rooms. And Althea's like, oh, yeah, uh, I, in her head, she's like, I went there with my dad for like a dinner. That was a really nice place, but I definitely don't have that money. <laughs> yeah. Ask for any other places. And the girl says, the Red Eaves, it's quiet as a tomb that the barmaid says. And Althea responds, I heard of that place earlier. Anywhere else. <laughs> Literally anywhere else, please. <laughs> right. And the barmaid says, that's it. Like I said, quiet isn't what most sailors come to town to find. The girl looked at her oddly. How many places do you need to hear about, she asked, and then took the coin for the beer she'd poured and sauntered off. Good question, Althea conceded. And after a uh, awkward encounter with a fellow patron of the bar, she exits <laughs> to find someplace that's quieter. Right, but not much luck. I will say... The barmaid did say that she could get it in room where they were currently. It just wouldn't be very quiet. But she was also itching herself in a way that Althea knew that she cannot stay here because there are clearly some sort of bed bugs or fleas or something, which is disgusting to think about. Oh, yeah. Try to find someplace clean. (laughs) Which she would have if she went to the Red Eaves. I feel like the Red Eaves would be perfect for Althea in a way that they are absolutely not for Brashen. (laughs) But she refuses to go there because she knows that's where Brashen is. And she keeps trying. She's going from place to place. And none of them are much better. Yeah, she was looking for a place to get a bath as well. But she has decided, since it's starting to rain, like, I'm just going to do the simplest thing. Find a place to get a quiet night's sleep. I don't need just a bath as well. Like, I'll figure that out later. Just some place to sleep. That's quiet. And like you said, she's not having much luck. By the time it was fully dark, she had sampled six different rooming houses. Almost all the rooms were over taverns or tap rooms. Every one of them had been noisy and smoky, some with whores on the premises for the convenience of those staying there. The one she settled on was no different than the others, save that there had just been a brawl there. A city guard had come, temporarily driving out the more lively customers. Those who remained after the brawl seemed either worn out or sodden. There were musicians there, but since everyone pretty much had dispersed, they were just playing for themselves, going over things and redoing sections, trying it a different way. 
joking, yeah. just enjoying each other's camaraderie, which makes her lonely and wish that she had friends, which is really sad. Yeah. Basically saying that the captain and owner's daughter could never fully share the deep friendships of the forecastle crew. And when she was at home, it was much the same. She had long ago lost touch with a little girl she had played with as a child. Married by now, most of them, she thought, probably to the little boys they had spied on and giggled about. And here she was, in ragged sailor boy togs in a foreign port in a rundown tavern, and alone, with no prospects save crawling home with the tail between her legs, and getting more maudlin every minute. Time to go up to bed. Right after this last mug, it would be time to go up to the room she had secured for the night. And Brashen walks in the door. Yeah, it's... She's getting more and more depressed. She's drinking more and more as she's been finding, trying to find a place. She finally finds a place that's quiet. She says that, okay, I'm going to go to sleep, sleep it off. Right after this. Right after this. Which, of course, means perfect timing for... Perfect timing. Ration to come in. And he has been in a fight. She knew by his stance that he was angry. The redness under his left eye would be black eye before morning. But she doubted that was why he was what he was still angry about. There was a tightness to his wide shoulders and under his clean striped shirt and small sparks deep in his dark eyes. There was no reason for her to feel guilty or ashamed. She hadn't promised to meet him. She'd only said she might. So the sudden shrinking she felt surprised her. I just put a wolf next to that line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's so angry. I only pretended like I probably would, but I didn't say I would. Like, okay, Malta, it's close <laughs> enough and you know it. Just what happened? What? See, see, this is why. Then she goes to the captain's place and is like, I need to be honest. Like, what? Since when? You weren't honest to Brashen. Why do you need to be honest now when your livelihood depends on it? <laughs> Girl, pick a side. Pick a side. And preferably the one that gets you the best outcome. Just switch the two. Honestly. Yes. Be honest with Brashen and then lie a little with the captain and you're good. You're golden. It'll be great. No need for the chapter. (laughs) But Brashen approaches the table and says, you could have simply said no. You didn't have to leave me sitting and worrying about you. She drummed her fingers lightly on the table for a few seconds and then looked up to meet his eyes. Sorry, sir. She reminded him. Didn't think as you'd worry about the likes of me. She saw his eyes dart to the musicians, who were paying no attention to them at all. I see, he said levelly. His eyes said much more. She'd hurt him. She hadn't meant to. Hadn't really thought about that aspect of it at all. He got up and walked away. She expected he would leave, but instead he interrupted the tavern keeper who was sweeping up broken crockery. Brashen got his own mug of beer and went back to the table and resumed his seat. I got worried, so I went back to the ship. I asked the mate if he knew where you'd gone. Oh, yes. Oh, what he said about you was not. His words trailed off and he touched the darkening bruise on his face. I won't be sailing aboard the Reaper again, he said abruptly. Why were you so stupid as to tell them your real name? And so she asked like, oh, the mate told you about that. And he's like, no, the captain did after the mate dragged me in there. (laughs) Right. Ugh. This is such a weird situation because on the one hand, I just got done talking about how when we were in Brashen's point of view, I didn't love it. I don't like the way he's viewing the scenario. Having that expectation is not right. It is not a good thing to have. Yeah. At all. There was no promises made. There was whatever. But 
she did kind of like play it off like maybe yeah. I will. And she didn't, which was not right of her. But I think what's worse is this continuance of the game. Nobody's paying attention to them. Nobody cares. I don't think anything bad will happen to her if she is acting a little bit more like a girl in this moment. Neither of them are going back to the Reaper. <laughs> right. So it's not like it matters if somebody sees her acting like a girl in public to Brashen in at like 2 a.m. at the bar. It's fine and nobody's here. And instead of just saying, hey, I'm sorry I did that. That wasn't cool of me. I just wasn't feeling it. She plays the game and is like, oh, I got to put on my act and pretend I'm still the ship's boy. Remember, wink, wink. And he's just like, really? <laughs> it's just very childish. And she, again, where's that honesty that she cares so much about? Why not just say, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> this whole conversation here is, like you said, very Malta reminiscent. Everything that Brashen says more about his side of the story, all she can think about is how that looks on her. Yep. Which is what I really hate about this and from her point of view. Basically, the mate told you about it, she asked in reply. Unbelievably, her mood dropped yet another notch. If he was talking about it, it was going to lessen her chances of getting aboard another ship as a boy. Despair hit her like green water. No, the captain, after the mate escorted me in there and they demanded to know if I had known you were a woman. And you told them you had? Worse and worse. Now they would be convinced she had whored herself out to buy Brash in silence. It's just... It's about her. And I get, like, that's that's her whole goal. That's what she has been aiming for, is try to get a ship's ticket. She wants another berth on a ship. She has to think about her future in some way. But Brashen was... Even though his expectations are bad, like we said, he said he was worried about you. He told you that you should have just told him no, so he didn't, he wasn't worried. He went to the ship asking about you and got in a fight about you being a woman because they said bad things. And now all you can think about while he has like a black eye is, oh man, Brashen spilled the beans and now I'm going to have a hard time finding another job. Yeah, it's <laughs> not great. It's not the worst thing that... Like from a perspective thing, but it's just so frustrating. At least like, she doesn't interrupt him talking to ask how much his right. jewels on his hand are. How much have, was that clean shirt that you have on? <laughs> that has no bearing to what they're talking about. Like she's still at least asking questions and talking in a way that she's somewhat paying attention. It's just underlying her thoughts are very selfish. Right. And she like at no point is she like, oh, I hope Brashen was okay and I hope he didn't. I wonder if the other guys hurt or anything. It's all, what does that mean for me? And you're right, that is really annoying. And Brashen doesn't know the truth of it. So he's continuing on like, why in God's green earth, or in Sa's green earth, did you <laughs> give them your real name? How could you expect to sail again on a ticket that had your real name on it? He was incredulous at her stupidity. On the Vivacia, she said faintly, I expected to use it on the Vivacia as her captain and owners. He does not know her plan, and so she tells him the whole story here. Everything. She doesn't hold anything back. She wondered why she was telling him. What was it about him that had her spilling her guts to him? What things about things that were none of his business? He left a small space of silence at the end of her story, then shook his head yet again, and basically goes over what 
we have talked about and what she has had in mind too, that Kyle would never keep his word on a chance oath like that. So it'd have to go in front of the traitors council and they would probably dismiss it because if you started holding everybody to their oath, the world wouldn't go around anymore. <laughs> right. However, Brashen, I don't know if she just didn't talk about it or if Brashen doesn't think the lawyer is correct, but Althea did talk to essentially a lawyer who said, like it's possible. Yeah, you potentially could get them to agree with you if only because you're old traitor and he's not. Yeah. Which is a huge bias that's in her favor. And in this case, I think absolutely should be used. And uh, he does add on to it saying, on the other hand, it doesn't surprise me that you'd try. I always thought that sooner or later you'd try to take the vivacia back from Kyle, but not like that. So he's not surprised. <laughs> right. But at the same time, he's like, I don't see that working. But that's all that the hope that she had to latch onto in the short term because she was very, very despondent in Bingtown. Right. And then she's like, okay, how, how then? How would you suggest I get Vivacia back? Sneak aboard and cut his throat while he's asleep? Ah, so that occurred to you too. She found herself grinning in spite of herself. Almost immediately, she admitted. Then her smile faded. I have to take the Vivacia back. Even though I know now I'm not really ready to captain her. No, don't laugh at me. I may be thick, but I do learn. She's mine in a way no other ship ever could be. But the law is against me and my family is against me. One or the other, I might fight, but together... Her voice died away. I spend a lot of time not thinking about her, Brashen. Me too, he commiserated. He probably meant the remark in sympathy, but she bristled to it. How could he say that? Vivacia wasn't his family ship. How could he possibly feel about her as Althea did? The silence stretched between them. More people come in and the musicians kind of pick up their music again. I do want to say I was really frustrated at her reaction to that of uh, once again making this about her. Yeah. There's no way Brashen could feel the same way as her, that this is her only, that their only home. He doesn't get it. She has a special bond. She's different. And it's like, Grow up. <laughs> People... he, he lost being able to captain the Vivacia. That was Efren's plan. Yeah. Not <laughs> only that, he lost the ability to captain his own family's live ship. Yeah. So well, even yeah. if it's that not. That was his own thing. But yeah, yeah. But like, even if it wasn't about Vivacia, it's not as though he can't commiserate with her. Right. He is literally in the same position that she's mm -hmm. in, except just a little bit worse because he actually ruined his reputation from being a debtor and a drug Gambler. addict like yeah. way worse and I, I do want to chime in real quick uh because we had a user comment before about this wondering if uh the trails actually did have a live ship and i believe it is stated that they do but it is never named what that live ship is i've okay. seen that answer repeated a few times throughout different parts so i have not i don't have the proof on hand but other people seem to full-heartedly believe that the trails do have a live ship but it's not named because somebody was asking about that sorry right that, no that's good yeah yeah i think to be an old trader you do have to have a live ship no not necessarily because the vestrits have been an old trader family for a long time but only three generations back did they commission one mm. and they've been in that area longer good point good point 
So it's just to be an old trader, you had to be there first. You have to know the secrets of the rain wilds. You have to have those connections kind of thing. Okay. You don't necessarily have to have a live ship, but I bet most, if not all old traders do. Okay. That would be my guess. Well, that makes sense. Well, because either way. Yeah. Restart doesn't have a, a live ship. That's I don't true. Believe. Yeah. That we know of, or else he would have sold it already. Yeah. I'm sure he <laughs> would have been the one to sell to the new traders if he had one. Right. But yeah, no, it's either way, it's disturbing that Althea has such a lack of empathy for others. Brashen is being open and honest and saying, yeah, me too. I take it takes a lot not to think of the only place that I've ever been accepted to and found as a home. And the worst, I think, part about this is that Althea does know that that's how he feels. I'm pretty sure he told her that, and if he didn't, it would be pretty easy to gather based off of the fact that he told her that when he was looking for a job, the first live ship that took him in was her father's place, and he didn't have anything before Efren came along. So while it's true that she's family and has a deeper connection with Vivacia, he did sail on Vivacia longer than Althea did. Yeah. I mean, I think she was aboard maybe longer or on trips and stuff, but like, Mm. I don't, I don't remember. It was probably about the same time though. Yeah. They're not much different in age. They're only a few years apart. Yeah. So I'm sure they were on at the same time, but he was actually sailing. Like you said, which I guess connection wise, but still like have some empathy. Right. (laughs) But the kind of the scene picks up a little bit more and Brashen finally asks, So, what will you do now? There, the very question that had been stabbing her all day. I guess I'll go home, she said quietly, just like you told me to do months ago. Why? Because maybe you were right. Maybe I'd better go and mend things there as best as I can and get on with my life. Your life doesn't have to be there, he said quietly. There are a lot of other ships in the harbor, going to a lot of other places. He was too offhandedly casual as he offered. We could go north, like I told you, up in the six duchies. They don't care if you're a man or a woman, so long as you can do the work. So they're not that civilized. Couldn't be much worse than life aboard the Reaper. She shook her head at him wordlessly. Talking about it made her feel worse, not better. She said the words anyway. The vivacia docks in Bingtown. If nothing else, I could see her sometimes. She smiled in an awful way. And Kyle is older than I am. I'll probably outlive him. And if I'm on good terms with my nephew, maybe he'll let his crazy old aunt sail with him sometimes. Brashen looked horrified. You can't mean that, he declared. Spend your life waiting for someone else to die? Of course not. It was a joke. But it hadn't been. This has been a horrible day, she announced abruptly. I'm ending it. Good night. I'm going up to bed. Why? He said quietly. Because I'm tired, stupid. And she was very, very, very tired. Just about everything. Tired of everything. Yes. And it's it's an interesting conversation here because, yeah, Brashen is like, we could do this. Like, I'm, I'm here with you. Althea doesn't acknowledge it at all, of course. Mm-hmm. She wants to distance herself from that and doesn't want to be reminded of that home. And also doesn't want to run away from Vivacia. I think there's also a little bit of too little, too late sort of deal going on. If Brashen would have been more 
upfront of like, hey, there's a lot of options. You can go other places, maybe sail with them for a little bit before she had this experience. I think she'd be a lot more open to trying out being on one of those ships. But because he was so cut and dry and like doom and gloom. (laughs) Drunk when he said it. (laughs) Yeah. I think she now feels like, well, I did try and it went just the way you said. So there's no use in trying anymore, which is sad. But it also makes me wonder how serious she can be about wanting to be a sailor if she only wants to be a sailor on a ship that isn't vivacia if it means that she gets vivacia after sailing it one time. Because, like, supposedly she just loves sailing, right? And I know that it would be awful to not be on Vivacia, but if she likes being a sailor, why can't she for the next few years grow until she's ready to be a captain on a ship that accepts her as a woman and then come back? Why does it have to be now or nothing? It's I probably because she's so young, just this very black or white, there is no gray. And if it doesn't happen now, then it's not, it's worthless and I'm not doing it. The longer from the oath as well, maybe the more Wintrow wouldn't be willing to say anything or her mother, you know? I suppose. I don't know. She's very urgent about it. Can't spend any more than a minute. Cause like the best, the best move otherwise would have been for her to get Athel Vestrit on her tag, Mm -hmm. on her ship's ticket saying like, oh yeah, I'm a very distant cousin or something like that. Right. Get a berth on another ship, a trader this time maybe, Mm -hmm. like some sort of trade vessel with a more amenable captain. And then at the end of that, be like, I'm actually Althea Vestrit, please. Like try to plead your case then, you know, not on a slaughter ship or that has trouble with serpents and has a rough voyage in general. I don't know. Something a little bit more civilized. Yeah. That would have been her best get, but it would take another like year. Yeah. I don't think she wanted to do that. And I get it. I mean, Kyle is trying to make her a slave ship. Although I guess she doesn't know that. No, she doesn't know that. So, ooh, I mean, I guess she's right to hurry, but I get that there is a bit of real urgency. It just feels like if this is what she wants to pursue, there are ways to do that. And the fact that she is going to give up after one mistrial, like, don't get me wrong. This was a horrible, horrible thing that has happened. This wasn't easy to go through. I would not want to have to suffer through that and then pick myself up and do it again. But at the same time, she's saying that she was ready for this and that she knows this world and that she can do it. And then the first time it doesn't work, she's like, guess it'll never work. I'll just die a spinster. Hopefully I can ride it when Kyle dies is... I don't know, a little sad and a little disappointing too, I think. Although maybe not fair of me to say so. <laughs> but she she is tired and she's tired of everything and Rashlin isn't really just asking why she's just going to bed. Yeah, his patience and his voice was stretched a little thin as he asks again, no, not that. Why didn't you come to meet me? Because I didn't want to bed you, she said flatly, even too tired to be polite anymore. He managed to look affronted. I only invited you to share a meal with me, but bed was what you had in mind. He teetered on the edge of a lie, but his honesty won out. I thought about it, yes. You didn't seem to think it went so badly last time. 
She didn't want to be reminded. It was embarrassing that she had enjoyed what they had done, and all the more so because he knew she had enjoyed it. At the time. And last time, I also told you it couldn't happen again. I thought you meant on the ship. I meant anywhere. Brashen, we were cold and tired. We'd been drinking. There was Sindon. She halted but could find no graceful words. That's all it was. His hand moved on, on the tabletop. She knew then just how badly he wanted to touch her, to take her hand. She put her hands under the table and gripped them tightly together. You're certain of that? His words probed his pain. Aren't you? She met his eyes squarely, defying the tenderness there. He looked aside before she did. Well, he took a deep breath and then a long drink from his mug. He leaned towards her on one elbow and tried for a convincing grin as he suggested, I could buy the Sindon if you wanted to supply the beer. She smiled back at him. I don't think so, she replied quietly. He shrugged one shoulder. If I buy the beer as well? The smile was fading from his face. Brashen. She shook her head. When you get right down to it, she pointed out reasonably, we hardly even know one another. We have nothing in common. We aren't... All right, he cut her off gruffly. All right, you've convinced me. It was all a bad idea, but you can't blame a man for trying. He drank the last of his beer and stood up. I'll be going then. Can I offer you a last piece of advice? Certainly. She braced herself for some tender admonition to take care of herself or be wary. Instead, he said, Take a bath. You smell pretty bad. Then he left, sauntering across the room and not even looking back from the door. If he had stopped at the door to grin and wave, it would have dispersed the insult. Instead, she was just left feeling affronted. Just because she had refused him, he had insulted her as if to pretend he had never wanted her because she was not perfumed and prettied up. It certainly hadn't bothered him the last time, and as she recalled, he had smelled none too fresh himself. The gall of the man. She lifted her mug. Beer, she called to the sour innkeeper. Again, big nice guy energy coming from Brashin. This whole, well, you're ugly anyway. Like, okay, <laughs> cool like you didn't think that when you were begging me to sleep with you two seconds ago but all right brashin come on honey grow up i said it to althea once this chapter i'm gonna say it to you now grow up you do not say that you your feelings can be hurt but also he did prove her point that he's just interested in betting her again. This isn't a relationship. This isn't him wanting to have dinner and get to know her more. This is him wanting to sleep with her again. And that's all fine and dandy, but she doesn't want that. And he should be able to respect that. And the fact that she was right by not coming to see him because that's all he wanted is driven home by the fact that he will not drop it even after she says, no, thank you. I, I will say that I think that it would have ended better and he maybe, maybe not insulted her if she had left out the part of we hardly even know one another. We have nothing in common. We aren't. And then he interrupts. I think that's what really gets to him because coming from his point of view as a son from a trader family that is kicked off a ship, cannot sail a family ship, as we were talking about earlier right. in this chapter, exactly 
what Althea is going through. Literally everything in common of what Althea is going through. They are very similar. They sailed together for years on the same ship. They relatively know one another. She she probably knows him the best out of anybody from Bingtown besides her family. And for Brashen to hear like, all right, we're not even in the same like level. I think that's what really gets to him because he has such such self-doubt and an inferiority complex about different classes of people and about like traitors right. and named people. I think in his mind, he's come to terms with like who he is as a person. He's no longer the son of a traitor family. But if he hears somebody who is always seen as the daughter of the captain of the ship he was on, right? right. The traitor family say that we have nothing in common. I think that in his mind, he's just reminded of, we're from different classes, basically. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But I, I think that I, I personally think that's what really riles up his anger there. Sure, but I still don't think it's justified because she only said that after the fifth time of reiterating she doesn't want to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to excuse, you know, his excuse his excuses or his continuation or anything like that. I just think that's where the abrupt upfront anger comes from. Right. But I also think that she tried nicer ways and it didn't work. And so the only, obviously the only thing that got through was something that made hurt his feelings a little bit. And that's awful. And I feel bad that that hurt his feelings, but like, it's pretty childish to turn around and be like, well, you are smelly. So maybe take a bath. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks. I'll take it into consideration. I don't know. He's just, it's very like hopping into somebody's DMs and being like, you're so pretty. You should date me. And they're like, sorry, I have a boyfriend. It's like, well, you're ugly anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It is. That is exactly what is happening here. 100%. It just, I don't know. The fragileness of Brashen, it's not a vibe. <laughs> we finish out the chapter with Brashen. And he gets his just desserts, I will say. <laughs> As he is hunching his shoulders to the dirty rain that was driving down. He's walking back to the Reddit use, carefully thinking about nothing. He picks up some Sindin from a street corner vendor, miserable in the rain, and then walks on. When he reaches the doors of the Reddit use, he finds them barred for the night. He pounds on them, unreasonably angry at being shut out in the rain. The landlord sticks his head out of a window above, saying, who's there? And he says, it's me, Brashen, let me in. You left the washing room a mess. You didn't scrub out the trough, and you left the towels in a heap. He stared up at the window in consternation. Let me in. It's raining. You are not a tidy person, the innkeeper shouted down at him. But I paid for the room. For an answer, his duffel bag came flying out the window. It landed in the muddy streets with a splat that splattered Brashen as well. Hey, he shouted, but the window above him shut firmly. For a time, he knocked, then kicked at the barred door. Then he shouted curses up at the closed window. He was throwing great handfuls of greasy mud up up at it when the city guards came by and laughingly told him to move along. Evidently, it was a situation they had seen before and more than once. He slung his filthy sea bag over his shoulder and strode off into the night to find a tavern. He's kicked out for not being fastidious enough. Right, which, to be fair, he was told to clean up the bathroom, and from what the innkeeper describes, Brashen did not even try. <laughs> so... I don't know. I feel like after the way he treated Althea, I'm kind of like, 
good. (laughs) (laughs) No sympathy from me. (laughs) It's definitely a resetting chapter for Althea and Brashen. Yeah. Both once again angry at each other. It's it's basically a mirror of what happened in Bingtown, in my eyes. Yeah. Except at the end, they're angry at each other and not kind of reconciling as he walks her home to the Vestrit Manor. <laughs> right. No, there's definitely some similarities, but I think it also, it follows this pattern that they have this weird relationship of mostly fighting and then sometimes a little bit of tenderness for each other and then one or the other pushing against that being like, no, this is too weird. And I don't know. I like, I feel bad. I feel bad because a lot of the situation again is based off of the fact that Althea has a past history that is traumatic, that is making her more afraid to open up. And especially in a society where her reputation and her family's reputation is at stake. If people find out what they have been doing, like, Clearly there is a lot going on to impact Althea not wanting to get with Brashen. And to her credit, Brashen hasn't really shown interest in her in a polite way before. And now that he slept with her, it does feel very like, I just want to do that again. It's not really about you sort of thing. So I understand why she would be hesitant to continue. And I think Brashen just kind of proved her point. And he could have handled it better, but I also get that his frustration of not being able to read Althea and thinking that she was more interested than she was, even though she is more interested than she now is pretending to be. I don't agree with your assessment that there was no interest shown on Brashen's point before. I think that the signs were there, but mostly seeing from Althea's point of view and a few from Brashen's when he was thinking as in retrospect now, he was thinking that she was, quote, bitchy and vindictive instead of, you know, fair play. Right. Um, that he did pretty much get into a fight on Vivacious deck because of the treatment of her. He did go out and find her in Bingtown. Like, this was all before any of that happened, but from Althea's point of view, since she disliked him so much, it was just a weight around her, like to remind her of Vivacia and her father's death and things like that. She was going through a lot and she was pushing back against anything that Brashen was there. So I think there were some hints there, but Althea was not in a place to see that. So to her, there was nothing there before. Fair enough. But that's mm-hmm. just retrospect from a rereader or a reader's point of view and not Althea's. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if Brashen is even truly admitting to himself that he has real feelings for her. Right. He's excited. Yeah. He's proud of her. They're, the things that he talks about her and the way he talks about her in his own privacy of his mind are reminiscent of how you would think of a loved one. But mm-hmm. he's not saying those things to her out loud. Right. He's not acting on that aspect of his feelings. So I don't know. They both need therapy. They both need better communication skills. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you have thoughts about Althea and Brashen, please let us know. We're at isfitshappy at gmail.com where you can email us directly or you can message us, DM us, comment on our posts, whatever you want to do at isfitshappy at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Thanks so much. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say next week. 